0: Well, we started a series last week called The Real You. Say, The Real You. The Real You. I believe, friends, that it is so important to be real in a world that is full of copycats, in a world that is full of people who try and be uh, somebody else, to try and be someone that you're not. Because I believe that God has made you wonderfully, uniquely, and there's no one else like you. Okay, this world needs you to be you. It doesn't need another copycat. It doesn't need another um, image of someone else. But the world needs you to be you because you are the best you that will ever be. Come on, you are the best you that will ever be, okay? And we talked last week a little bit about uh, weaknesses and how oftentimes we allow our weaknesses to prevent us from truly being ourselves. But we read out of 2 Corinthians how it's in our weaknesses that we are made strong. That His strength is perfected in us. So it's not this idea of us hiding our weaknesses, but rather embracing our weaknesses, living in our weaknesses, and not letting it define us, but allowing it to be an avenue for God's strength to flow in and through us. Do you believe it? Come on, it's a hard thing to comprehend, but in your weakness, you are actually made strong. It's not an absence of being weak, Because if we were perfect all the time, we had no weaknesses, then we wouldn't need Jesus, right? And how many of you know that we need Jesus? Hey, come on. I need Jesus. I need him every single moment of every single day because we got some weaknesses. So in our weaknesses, we are made strong. So this is week two, part two of the real you. Say, the real me? Do you guys bring your Bibles tonight? Yes, awesome. Well, if you did, turn with me to the book of Genesis. I believe that it's important in understanding who the real you is and the real me to go all the way back to the beginning, to the creation of man and women as we know it. Genesis chapter 2, we're going to be starting in verse 20. So this is an account of God creating life as we know it. Verse 20, it says, he gave names to all the livestock. He's referring to Adam, all the birds in the sky, all the wild animals, but there still, there was no helper just right for him. So he's talking about the creation of man, the creation of woman. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. Moving on, it says in verse 23 At last, the man exclaimed, This one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called Woe Man. Woe Man. Because she was taken from man. Woe Man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife are both naked, but they felt no shame. <laughs> just saying. So we know the story, man. and tough crowd, tough crowd. So men and women, they were created. They were in this perfect environment. There was fruit. There was sugars. There was perfect weather. There was, they were naked and felt no shame. Like, this is awesome, right? They're living life, and it's just great, okay? So then we know the story. When, uh, You know, Satan, that stinking little serpent rolls up on the scene and he tries to steal away this perfect place that God has created for man and women. So God put a tree in the environment amongst thousands and thousands of other trees and anything. And God says, just don't eat from this one because God actually desires this to be a relationship, okay? And what is love without a choice? Okay, God could do like the whole puppeteer thing with the strings and force us to love him, but he wants a genuine relationship with you, and a genuine relationship takes a choice. Kind of what we talked about in worship a moment ago. Praising him is a choice. Love is a choice. So he's like, you got all of this, but I just want you to choose to not eat from this one thing. Then we're all good. Okay, tree of knowledge of good and evil. Just don't eat from that, okay? The serpent shows up on the scene and tries to convince the woman to eat from the thing. And this is where we're going to pick up, jumping ahead to Genesis chapter 3, uh, verse 6 through 12. I don't think it's on the screen, so just hang with me for a moment. It says this in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6 through 12 in the New Living Translation. If you guys are taking notes, write it down. You're reading along, read with me. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful, And its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it could give to her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. And then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and suddenly they felt shame at their nakedness, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Verse 8. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden, so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you by the way? God knows exactly where they are, He knows where you're at. No matter how hard you try to hide from God, He knows where you're at. He loves you no matter how far you feel like you've gone, no matter how deep you feel like you're hiding from Him. He sees you, He loves you despite what you've done, despite what you're doing, despite what you're going to do. Just a little side note for you tonight, okay? So He replied in verse 10 so they're walking around in the garden, so they hid from the Lord God. Okay, so. God's saying, like, where are you at? Verse 10, Adam replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so uh, I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. And verse 11, who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. And have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. So, what we see here is literally the first, like, blame shift that's going on. Like, sin enters the world, and sin actually causes you to actually, you know, point your finger at other people. I mean, that actually still happens today, and just throwing it out there, I believe it's important for us to actually own the things that we potentially have done, and allow God's love to heal us, to forgive us, and to move on from it, rather than to point the blame and say, he did this, she did this, they did that. So, I was praying about just what to talk about in regards to the real you. And God brought me to this particular passage. And it shows life before sin dominated it and then life after sin dominated it. And the two things specifically that occurred to me just in this passage of Scripture that could potentially happen in your life and in my life if we allow sin to control the way we think and live our lives. So if you guys are taking notes tonight, I want you to write the real you part two at the top, and then I'm going to give us a couple notes after we pray one more time, and I believe that God's got something special for you tonight. Do you believe it? Sid, do you believe it? Awesome, 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 awesome. Let's pray one more time, then we're going to dive right into this, okay? So let's pray. Father, I thank you so much, Lord. I thank you so much for your love. I thank you so much for your forgiveness. I thank you for this time that we're able to be together as a family, I pray that if there's anyone here tonight that feels like they can't be themselves, Lord, I pray that your spirit shows them just how unique and wonderful and special they are. Father, I pray for healing in this place. I pray for wholeness in this place. God, may your spirit set us free tonight. And God, before we conclude this message or this prayer, I just want to take a brief moment and lift up our team in Belize I just got news that there was a hurricane that hit right where uh, Ashton Fish and his team are. And so, Father, I pray for protection over them. I pray that you send your angels to literally work things out. God, may your hand be upon them. And God, may nothing that the enemy is trying to do to destroy what your heart, what your love is doing in that area, God, may it be just destroyed. Father, may your spirit move forward. We give you the, the... the land of Belize. God, I pray that you protect your sons and your daughters there. Lord, we love you so much and pray that in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Everybody said? Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Sean. Can we give it up for Sean? Can I ask a serious question tonight? I relate with this question all too well, actually. Is anyone lactose intolerant here? That's it? Um, I, I'm going to start a support group for anyone who walks through life with the curse of lactose intolerant. I'm going to say that it is because I love cheese. I love fondues. I love, don't hate. I love like bagels with cream cheese. Yeah, you hate on it until, you hate on it until you can't have it anymore. And then you're like, I wish that I had that. I love nachos. Gosh, I love nachos. I also love pizza. Can I just say, Little Caesars is amazing. I'm a fan of Toppers. The uh, the hot honey pizza. If you've never tried it, will absolutely change your life. Uh, a double double. I can't have that anymore without threatening my internal health and the health of those around me. The struggle is so real. Okay, so instead of getting a double-double, I just get a double. And it just, it's just not as enjoyable anymore. And friends, I'll tell you what, I call it counting the cost. Yes, every time someone presents, I, oh gosh, can I say how much I love ice cream? Mochi? Like, mochi balls are like so. Praise God for mochi. Like, the little green tea ice cream, like, mochi balls. The mango one is so good, too. Oh my gosh. If you guys have never been there, go to Whole Foods, like, tonight after service and go to the little, like, mochi ball area. Try the, the dark chocolate strawberry one, it'll change your life. Eat one for me, eat one for your pastor in remembrance of his stomach and those around them. So when I eat, or you know what, I won't even point this on me, but when us lactose intolerant people uh, eat cheese or drink milk or, oh gosh, I love just half and half like in coffee too. Whenever we ingest, I'm going to say we because we're all in this together. Come on. When we ingest dairy, it does something to us. I'm glad you asked, B., what it does is it then begins to, to cause turmoil inside of yourself. It, it not only affects you emotionally, but it affects you physically. And then something happens, okay? And then, uh, uh, is it flatulence? Is that like the, the scientific terminology of uh, passing gas? I, I'm just being real. I, why is like farting so funny? I think it's hilarious. I think that God, like when he was creating us, like created that to be a thing just to keep us like light. Not literally like physically light, but just like to lighten up the mood. Because if you've ever been in a conversation with someone and then they accidentally like, you know, let one go and it's just like, it's so funny. But have you ever met somebody that like just has no shame? They're saying that I have no shame. Okay, so what they're saying is that I have no shame. I really don't. <laughs> so if you've ever met someone like, I guess, me that has no shame, I believe that shame is something that is, is, to, is to be so far from a Christian's life. I mean, like, I can bring it around to, like, funny, like, laughing, like, yeah, like, no shame. <laughs> but, like, shame is something that I believe enters into our lives through us falling short and tends to just grab hold of us. So when I was thinking about the real us, the real you, life before sin's dominance in our hearts and in our lives, shame had no hold on us. See, because when I look back to the, the passage of Scripture we, we read a moment ago, uh, we're going to put on our maturity hats tonight, okay? Uh, Adam and Eve, they were both free. They were both naked, and they felt no shame. But it wasn't until they allowed sin to enter their lives until shame began to run rapid, and then they started to hide from God. And that's what shame does. The shame is, by definition, shame is, I have it, it's a painful feeling of humiliation or distress caused by the consciousness Of wrong or foolish behavior. It's a painful feeling of humiliation. So it's a a feeling that we're all familiar with in in some way or another. It's this idea of feeling shame, feeling humiliated, maybe by something that you said, maybe by something that you did in the past. I've had conversation, friends, with people who have literally held on to something that they did when they were a kid, and now they're a grown-up, and they held on to this thing, And it's the shame entering their lives. And because of the shame, they can't truly be themselves because if they are themselves, they feel like no one will love them, that no one will accept them. Shame begins to cause us to hide from God. Shame will cause you to hide from God. And that's what we see in the story is that once their eyes were opened, once sin entered the scene, when sin entered their lives and in their hearts, they, they did what? They hid from God. They hid from God. This idea of shame, this idea of knowing and feeling humiliated, they, they then hide from God. And shame has no part in your life. It says this in John chapter 3, verses 18 through 21. It says there is no judgment. I want you to hear this tonight. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, against anyone who believes in Jesus. So if you're here tonight and you'd say, yes, I believe in Jesus. I've made him the Lord and Savior of my life. There is no judgment for you because all the judgment that God has against sin was taken out on Jesus on the cross and no longer do you have to worry about being judged by him. You have nothing to be afraid of. You have nothing to fear. You have nothing to hide from God. But anyone who does not believe in Him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son, and the judgment is based on this. God's light came into the world, but people loved their darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. And who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants." Here's the thing, guys. When we don't address the hidden sin in our lives, we will then begin to hide from God. When we don't address the hidden sins in our lives, we will then begin to hide from God. As I was thinking about and praying about this, God spoke this to me. He said, sin will never cause God to stop loving you, but it will cause you to stop loving God. And I'm going to kind of clarify that a little bit. God is not intimidated by your sin. Okay? Sin has been defeated. Sin has been conquered by Jesus once for all on the cross. And it actually says in the book of Romans that while we were still sinners, God sent Jesus to be the propitiation, or like it's a fancy word, for the payment for our sin. He was literally the sacrifice. He paid for our sin in full, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Friends, I'm going to ask you a question. I don't want you to answer this, but just, just think about it yourself, okay? Does God, did God send Jesus because he loves you or does he love you because he sent Jesus? I want you to think about that for a second because I believe that our answer to this question could define our relationship with God. The correct answer is that Jesus, or God sent Jesus because he loves us. Okay, it was in the midst of our sin, it's in the midst of our failures that God sent Jesus to the earth to die for us, to show us just how much he loves us. But what then begins to happen when we allow sin to take root in our lives, in our hearts, without kind of getting it out there, without talking to people about it, is it then just begins to eat at our hearts. It then begins to, you know, Maybe after camp you were so fired up about going home and and praying to God every morning, every night, I'm going to read a Bible plan, I'm going to do a Bible study at my school when school starts, and then that thing that you just have so much shame about getting up and getting out just starts to eat at your mind, begins to eat at your heart, and before you know it, rather than getting up 10 minutes early to spend time with God, you're getting up 10 minutes late because you've just lost all motivation and this love that we have for God just kind of starts to dissolve. Sin will never stop God from loving you, okay? And that's the point, is that, yes, there has to be punishment for sin, and that's why God sent Jesus for us, because he loves us. But sin, if we don't address it and we just continue to let it, you know, I've heard it called uh, referred to as kind of like a pet sin before and this isn't like the most fun message to hear, but I believe this is what God wants to do is he wants to set us free tonight because there is nothing, friends, can I say it? There is nothing that God cannot set you free from. But sometimes what happens is that we allow shame to prevent us from reaching out and to letting others like leaders or even myself love on you and pray for you. And this thing, that secret, begins to just start eating at your heart and before you know it. You've lost all strength. You've lost all joy because the Bible talks about how the joy of the Lord is our. It talks about how the joy of the Lord is our strength. So what the enemy does is he makes you think that this sin in your life is unforgivable. It makes you think that it's too big to be forgiven. It makes you think that you're the only one struggling with it. And then it starts to eat you up. And then before we know it, this joy that we have in our heart begins to dissolve. And then before we know it, we have no more strength. I believe that God wants to give you joy again tonight because the real you has no shame. The real you, before sin entered the world, there was no shame, man. They were free, and I believe that God is going to set some people free tonight. It says this in, I have it, I have it, Isaiah chapter 54, verse 4, says, fear not you will no longer live in shame. Don't be afraid. There is no more disgrace for you. You will no longer remember the shame of your youth and the sorrows of widowhood. Jesus came to restore broken hearts. He came to heal broken hearts. It's so beautiful because it says, fear not. You will no longer live in shame. Don't be afraid. There's no more disgrace for you. You'll you'll no longer remember the shame of your youth and the sorrows of widowhood. It's this idea of kind of letting it go. Letting it go. Receiving healing for anything that you might have done in your life and allow God's perfect love to set you free from any kind of shame tonight. The beautiful thing about what Jesus did on the cross for you, and I want you to hear this tonight is that Jesus was shamed so that you don't have to be. Jesus literally felt shame so that you don't have to. In Hebrews 12, verse 1 through 2, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy, and there's the part that I want you to hold on to, because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. And worship team, you guys can come up and uh, we'll land this plane. We can play the bridge of give me faith. I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. So, guys, let's, let's remain engaged just for a moment. I'm going to read that last part again, and I want you guys to just feel that tonight. Jesus literally was shamed so that you don't have to feel shame. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame Now he is seated in the place of honor besides God's throne. Jesus was exposed to shame so that we wouldn't have to be. I'm going to read just a passage of Scripture, and I want you guys to feel this tonight, okay? I want you to feel this and know how much God loves you because of it. Okay, This is Jesus. He is He's on trial before he is sentenced to be guilty and go to the cross for you. And for me, in Matthew 26, verses 66 through 68, it says, what is your verdict? And the crowd shouts back. They say, guilty. He deserves to die. And then they began to spit in Jesus' face and and beat him with their fists. and, And some slapped him, jeering, prophesy to us, you Messiah, Who hit you that time? Jesus was literally exposed to shame. He was literally spit in his face and people were literally slapping him and beating him and he was literally publicly humiliated so that we wouldn't have to be anymore, so that we wouldn't have to walk and live in shame. This idea of being humiliated and feeling humiliated because of our shortcomings and friends receive God's grace and love for you tonight. Don't let any pet sin in your life and in your heart prevent you from receiving love and having relationship with Him. So if you guys were taking notes, that whole idea is the real you has no shame. And I'm going to end with this thought. The real you walks with God. The real you walks with God. So if you guys are taking notes, that's a good thing to write down. The real you walks with God. And so what we see in the story of Adam and Eve, it's a beautiful illustration. Okay, so sin enters the world. They fall short. They hide because of their shame. And what I see before that is that they had a relationship with God. And and how I know that is Adam and Eve were hiding in the bush, and then they see God walk by. Okay, God is wanting to walk with you tonight. His wanting relationship with you. And what shame does is it causes us to hide. It causes us to get back and, you know, hide our faces from God. And what God is saying tonight is to not let shame prevent you from feeling loved, from feeling accepted, from feeling like you belong. I believe that God wants to set you free tonight. You know, when I was talking about that pet sin, that little thing that we don't want to address, that we don't want to give up, I believe that God wants to set you free from that tonight. That thing that is holding you back from truly feeling free, the thing that you fall back on whenever you have a hard day, that thing that you keep running to, whenever you feel like someone is disappointed in you. God wants to set you free from that tonight. And friends, it's perfect that you're here because God wants to set you free from that tonight. So let's all do this. Let's all stand to our feet. And as we stand to our feet, I want us to close our eyes and just stay in this atmosphere of praise, in this atmosphere of prayer. Because I believe that God wants to set you free tonight so let's all do this let's all close our eyes in this place if that's you here tonight and you feel shame that you feel like humiliated Jesus took that humiliation I want you to hear this Jesus took humiliation people literally spit in his face slapped him made fun of him so that you wouldn't have to live your life in shame so if you're here tonight and you need to be set free from some shame every eye is closed this is between you and God we're gonna sing the bridge of this song in just a moment but I just want to pray for you before we get into that so if you're here tonight And you wanna feel freedom from the shame that has held you back from truly feeling God's love and being the real you. I'm gonna count to three and simply lift up your hand and watch as God sets you free in this moment. Come on, one, two, and three. You want God to set you free from shame in this place, from humiliation. There's no shame, friend, there's no shame. You can lift up your hands proudly right now because God is lifting up shame from you. Come on, no one's looking around. Watch as God heals you tonight. Father, you see every hand that's lifted up in this place. And I pray by the power of your Spirit that you lift up all humiliation, that you lift up all shame in this moment by the power of your Holy Spirit. I pray that you sweep over them, God, like a flood. And with that, God, take away all shame, all fear, all humiliation. God, show them right now a vision, God, of you being shamed so that they don't have to be shamed. (laughs) And with every eye still closed, every head still bowed, I'm going to ask one more question tonight. If you're here and you want to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, This is the first step in expelling all shame and guilt in your life, because when Jesus enters your life, sin no longer has any hold over you. Sin no longer has any strength over you, and it's simply by believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that you will be saved forever. So if that's you, I'm going to count to three, and simply lift up your hand. We're going to pray a prayer together, because it's by believing in our hearts and confessing with our mouths that we are saved so ready one you want jesus to be the lord and savior of your life two don't let any time pass without making sure that you have relationship with him and three come on shoot your hands up if you want relationship with jesus tonight it's between you and him it's beautiful all right unleash family let's all pray this prayer together and if you raise your hand i want you to meet it in your hearts everybody say it say jesus i want everybody to say it say jesus I thank you for dying for me. I believe, come on, everybody say it. Say, I believe that you gave yourself for my sins, for my shortcomings. And so I give myself to you from this day forward. Take away my shame. Take away my guilt. In Jesus' name.